Aisha Thomas is an educational activist specializing in race and anti-racist practice. In 2018, Aisha presented a BBC documentary about the lack of black teachers in Bristol and collaborated with City Partners to launch the One Bristol Curriculum. Welcome to The Word, Aisha. Thank you for joining us. Can we just start with briefly letting our listeners know exactly what the One Bristol Curriculum is? So the, the One Bristol Curriculum sets out to present a more equitable kind of representation of what teachers and academics acknowledge as being quite a biased, narrow view from a very Eurocentric point of view of the current curriculum, which really ignores influence of black and non-white minority cultures. So what the One Bristol curriculum hopes to do is to provide practitioners and also resources that will be much more reflective of the diversity of Bristol, but will also make sure that we include the significance of what Bristol has contributed, particularly its black community. For example, talking about Dr. Paul Stevenson and Roy Hackett, you know, the bus boycott, those elements which are often missed off the curriculum. And so important, you know, for kids to realise that there are living activists and black heroes that have affected UK society in such a massive way is what will inspire them to make them realise that they can also make a change i think looking at education now with um with response to the black lives matters protests everyone's in agreement that education is absolutely key at the moment i'm really excited to hear about the one bristol curriculum is it is it in practice yeah so it has already started so this time last year we launched our pilot so the actual um project in itself is now being run by sibs at cognitive paths and what we did last year is we launched a number of key projects just to look at the framework in which this could operate. So I did a particular pilot with City Academy, the Dolphin School and also St. Barnabas, where we looked at the concept of what's in a name. Now, this particular project came out of a conversation with my neighbour where he told me his name was Whisper. And in that conversation, I genuinely thought that was a nickname. And then he was able to explain to me that in Zimbabwe, they named their children after who they want them to become and his grandfather wanted a quiet child for his mother. What's in a name? Like what is in our names? And so we decided to look at a number of key areas such as what's in a name, what's in a word, what's in clothing, what's in music as a way to connect the African diaspora, but also allow it to be relatable to other communities. And this was a really great way to integrate and weave it into the current curriculum. Absolutely fantastic. That's so exciting. Now, one thing I have to ask, this is fantastic for Bristol. How can we get other cities and towns to follow suit? Now, I say this because of uh, something horrendous happened to me the other day, and I ended up confronting some racists in a supermarket, in a suburb, where it's predominantly white. I was disgusted, shocked, mortified, ashamed to hear what I heard, was hearing. And it made me realize how behind ignorant, the suburbs and the countryside and the towns are outside of cities. How can we address this? And I know that obviously I can't expect you to, to, to wave a magic wand and sort all of our problems. <laughs> do, you, do you have any ideas or suggestions how we can address this? Because my son, when he went to his school to ask for more black history was shut down. Really, really, really heartbreaking. But I think there are a number of things that we need to be able to do. And I think it's a combination. I think one aspect of it is it has to come from central government. We need to right. be able to lobby and petition to our government and say that this is an aspect of the curriculum that isn't just beneficial to black children or children of colour, but it's beneficial to white children too. 
it has long been researched about the benefits of diversity for all people. It enriches us as a culture. So there is that kind of structural legislative kind of process you have to go through. I also think it's about that empowerment and awareness. So whether that's challenging through podcasts, through radio stations, through the grassroots works that organizations can do, we need to make sure that we also use all of those avenues and channels also, because we kind of sometimes need to accept that some people have to be met where they're at. It's not an excuse, it's not a justification, but sometimes that's what you have to do. I totally hear you because I could see from their reaction when I confronted them that as individuals, they looked mortified. They were empowered by being in a group with their peers. I suspect if you took them aside individually, their views would be very different to what it was within a group. And if they were educated in a way that they could understand and awareness was delivered to them by people they respect, then I think we it would be changed so quickly and so easily. Absolutely right. And I think people have to understand key concepts that have been hidden for a very long time. People say, you know, why are we still talking about this? Is it even relevant anymore? And until you can get people to understand really the difference between racism and anti-racism, there's a massive gap in between. And that's where most people tend to sit. And that's what makes it very difficult in the UK, because a lot of it is that covert racism. It's not necessarily overt. You don't necessarily see it. There's not someone shouting at you in the street. It's in the fabric of all of our systems. And so it's about collectively, whether you're white or black, challenging it when you see it in every occasion. It's only then that we are going to see a radical shift in the culture of the country that we all love. One of the main reasons that you were inspired to start your initial project, and I know you're onto another project, which we will get onto shortly, was the lack of black teachers in Bristol, which I and other people could not believe the stats. So we had 26 black teachers out of 1,346. And um, what it was is that we were able to realize that there was less than 1.9%. And when we looked at the Running Me Trust, the Running Me Trust report had made it very clear that, you know, Bristol was a divided city and that there was an issue with diversity, but we didn't really know how bad it was. So we actually looked specifically at our secondary schools and we wanted to be very clear about what black staff they had and which ones were in teaching positions. And it became quite apparent. And, you know, half of the schools didn't have any black teachers at all. And that's massively shocking when you're talking about teaching children from different communities, being empowered and having the knowledge and yet you don't have many of those communities in your schools at all, then how do we begin to shift the culture? How do we show that role modelship? How do we show that this is even possible, not just for black children to see leadership, but also for white people to see a black person in a leadership position and not feel uncomfortable about that fact? And it's great to see that you believe that we can all play a role in inspiring the next generation. Hence, hashtag representation matters. And that will lead us quite nicely on to why your next project is called B26, aka Beyond the 26, which is beyond the 26 black teachers that there currently are. What exactly is Beyond the 26 about? actually a celebration i think for a long time when we talk about race it has become across in quite a negative manner and there's been a lot of gaslighting actually on black people saying you know where are you you know why are you not applying for the jobs is it that you're not good enough and i wanted to do a project that had the reverse effect and what i wanted people to do is actually take a moment and look at look at the black educators you do have in the city look at those who are beyond the 26 that we talked about in 2018 but let's look at all of the amazing educators that are there 
who all have something to share. So I chose 30 educators who I have had the privilege of working with at some point within my educational career. We have a number of people from different phases, from different contexts and in different roles. And what you begin to realize is that there is a richness in black educators and agent educators out there, we just need to be willing to see it, listen to them and let them be included. And so this is a passion project, which is really gonna celebrate all the amazing success that we do have in this city and allow them to be seen and heard. Because for me, it feels a little bit like, I don't know if I'm right, I think actually racism is getting worse and it's actually maybe worse than it's ever been in my lifetime. As a white person, I'm sure black people might say something different. So for me, it feels more important than ever that we address something like this. For you, why now? For you, why now? I think why now is because, as you said, we've been living this for a long time. This isn't, racism isn't new. No. Um, it's not a new concept. This, this, if, to be honest, this isn't for us. This is for the other, in terms of acknowledging and understanding that this is a problem. But the reason why it's why now, because if we don't, then when? We've been campaigning for years, but I feel like there's a shift in energy at the moment. And I do feel that in this COVID environment and moment and off the wake of George Floyd, it gave a focus and a vision that hasn't been there before when looking at race. And I agree with you, race probably is the worst it's ever been in my lifetime. But what we also have is much better skills and tools and opportunities to make a change and a difference perhaps my ancestors didn't have the opportunity to make. So the reason why it's now is because it's continued for too long. And how can I sit there when my son says to me, mummy, why is it that they're hurting us? And I can't give him an answer. I, I cannot sit on the fence yeah. because he as a black child shouldn't have to see on the news that he's being perpetrated for no other reason than his black skin. I, I couldn't agree with you more. So, so how do we, we all, I think everybody agrees that education is so, so important. Um, how do we get more black teachers as well? How do we do that? A number of things. I think one is accepting that the, the issue is there. So that was why we did the campaign about awareness, acknowledge it's a problem and it's an issue. I think it's about showing children that this is a career pathway that is possible to them. So actually, when you're having careers events, talk about teaching as a profession that is a privilege and one in which they should consider as a career pathway. We need to think about how do we encourage those from those communities to apply for those job opportunities and get the skills and the qualifications required. And it's about valuing those who come from other countries who do have those qualifications, but need that support in order to just transition over to a British education system. And it's about encouragement, belief and empowerment. Those people are there. And what you will see with the Beyond the 26 group, there's a lot of educators who are not in the roles of teaching or they're not teachers. And you have yeah. to question yourself, why are so many of them pastoral? Why are so many of them behavior leads? Why have they not had the opportunity to make that transition to obtain their teaching qualification and be in those job roles? Because they're good enough for everything else. Why are they not good enough to stand at the front of the classroom and teach? I hear you. I absolutely understand, especially as somebody who's trying to sort of step into teaching myself. Have you managed to recruit more? Surely that will take years to actually have you know, any kind of effect will come into place. 
take time. It's not going to happen overnight. But what I can say is I've been, been encouraged by the events that we've been able to put on to give the information and the knowledge. So we've been able to work with um, City Hall in order to put on an event in December of 2018 to make sure that people understood the routes into education. I've also been doing some work with the University of Bristol looking at the types of courses we can offer so that people can obtain their teaching qualification and complete a PGCE course. Um, also with the federation I work for, they've been doing work around their teaching school, which is trying to encourage the, the diversity of those who are applying. And I've, I've mentored some people who perhaps wasn't unsure before about getting into the profession, but felt inspired. And we have several of those who've joined in the last couple of years, both black and Asian minority ethnics, both female and male, who have decided that actually this is a career path for them. So it, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. We're going to have to keep, you know, chipping away at it. But it has to be something that's not tokenistic. If we want to see change, we've got to invest time, energy and money and keep this focus. We've got a long way ahead of us and a lot to do and achieve. How, what can our listeners do to help, do you think? Is there any way they can help? Absolutely. And it's not about being a teacher. I think it's broader than that. I think we as human beings can understand what it must feel like to feel subhuman irrespective of who you are, your color, your skin, your class or your gender. But I think what we can do is challenge it when we see it in every aspect of life. We can acknowledge ourselves and that's about taking time to read, listen to podcasts, watch TV programs. There are so many different media forms in which you can just gain that bit of knowledge. It's also about listening. God gave us two ears and one mouth. So listen to those who are affected and hear their plight but equally, don't challenge them to justify or prove that they're suffering from racism or segregation. Instead, listen to their scenario, listen to their feelings and actually give it validation and support. Don't wait for them to have to challenge. You can challenge it when you see it and when you feel it. And so it's about understanding that we all collectively deserve to be valued in the world that we live in. And even if it is just challenging someone in the supermarket, buying a book and reading it, listening to an article, sending a tweet of, of support and celebration, every single aspect will come together to give us a better community and society to live within. It's really interesting you should say that because of um, going back to my experience in the supermarket this week where I did hear some such toxic, toxic comments and I did stand up to it and yet I've had so many different opinions from that, from other people in the black community, other people like yourself saying, stand up. We have to use our people like me need to use my white privilege, my white power to address these situations. And yet someone else would say the opposite, just say there is no point. There is no point. You I know, think there what has you to say? be a point. I, I mean, personally, I am, I, you know, as somebody who's very much about training and enhancing knowledge around anti-racist practice, I think we should challenge it whenever we see it. I don't think we can have the idea in our minds that it's not worth the challenge. Otherwise, as the black community, we would still be slaves and picking cotton if somebody didn't decide we needed to challenge. So I think we have to challenge it at every opportunity. I get that not everybody wants to do so. And I understand that some people, particularly black communities, don't want this concept of white savior. But in my mind, this is not a black or white issue. This is a human issue. So when we see something that's wrong, that's hurtful and harmful, we need to call out and challenge it as we would with any other area of oh, discrimination. Uh, exactly. Absolutely. If I saw somebody being bullied in no matter what format, I would not just stand there and do nothing about it. Um, and it is about speaking up. So beyond the 26, I'll quote this, representation in education gives children hope that they could be more than what the media says they could be. 
to me, that kind of sums up what you're doing. I think your project is absolutely fantastic. I wish you all the best of luck. And I think it's just about us remembering that representation matters. And so use your voice to make sure people are heard.